Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I love Proverbs and I love the fact that Pastor Josh has been walking through Proverbs from the time I was a young young person. The first time I remember opening the Bible, I have been drawn to the book of Proverbs. I love the idea of wisdom. I know this is strange. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I've told you guys before, I'm dealing with losing my hair. I don't like that. But I like the idea of white hair. I'm, I'm like, you know, in Proverbs it says it's a crown of glory to have white hair. I'm like looking for those in my beard. I'm not going to be ashamed of them. I'm, I'm happy about them. They're a crown of glory on my face. And so from a very young age, I have always been told and it's not so much anymore. I think I look my age now. But at a young age, I always looked old for my age. I was always bigger. I, like, grew facial hair really soon. And, like, my mom brought my birth certificates to sporting events because they just wouldn't believe that I'm in the age range. You know, they thought they were cheating, you know, pulling older kids into the team. And I remember I had to start playing with the older teams because I just looked too old. And I was just too good, you know. I mean, let's be honest. I was just too good. I, I was, I think it was in fifth grade, and I was playing on the seventh and eighth grade team. And my batting average was over 900 because every at bat was a home run except for one strikeout. And every time that I got up to bat, they all said, go further, go further out. And I was like, a new target, you know, like a new level that I need to hit. I'm going to hit it even farther this time. So that was me as a kid. I was always kind of like looking older, acting older. I liked hanging out with older people. That's just what I did. And I realized years later that like, my wife would call that trauma, by the way, that like something must have happened to you as a child that you began to think this way. I don't think this is a traumatic moment in my life, but I remember in kindergarten, I looked older than all the other kids. I was taller than all of them. And the teacher, I was a class clown, and I was just making jokes, and I liked making people laugh. And, and the teacher takes me out into the hallway, and I remember the look on her face, the disappointment in her voice, all those nuances. And she said to me, You're bigger and older than these kids, even though I don't think I was actually older than these kids. You need to be a good example to them. And I was like, really? Like, is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, I'm a child. (laughs) And so I thought I was just supposed to be having fun, but then kicked in, like, I guess that's the meaning of life. You know, like, I'm supposed to be a good example to people. And so began, I would say, now, you, you're probably, hopefully you're not thinking this, that I think I was a good child or like a good teenager. I was a total idiot. Like, ask my wife. We've been together since we were 16. I was a really dumb teenage boy and all the things. But I've always had this hunger to be a good example. I've always had this desire to grow in wisdom and to grow in knowledge of God and, and to be like, a, I don't know, From that moment forward, I feel like I just want to be a light in the darkness. I want to be something that people can, I don't know if they're having a hard time, that they can find acceptance and find hope in me. And so I run to Proverbs often in my life to refine that. I want to refine my wisdom. 
still not wise, but I'm trying to get there. But I remember um, a sermon from when I was, I don't know, I was probably like 12, 13, and I remember it distinctly. I, I've heard many sermons. I've been in church since I was a kid, but you don't remember all of them like this one. I remember this sermon where this guy, Vic Gerson, he gets up and, man, Vic was monotone, real monotone. And most people were like, I don't really like it when Vic preaches, you know, it's just kind of like down and, you know, but I loved it. Like he just, he had all this knowledge and wisdom. He loved digging into like the archaeology of things. And it was so interesting to me. Well, he had taken the books of the Bible that Paul had written and he put them in chronological order, which you can get chronological Bibles. And he found this common phrase that Paul would say that kind of changed over time. And Paul would say something along the lines of, I am least among least among something. And it started off that he would say, I am least among the saints. And this was kind of like a greeting or like, you know, an ending to something. And he would say this. Well, it kind of changed over time. Then it became, I'm least among these, least among these people, least among God's people. And then at the end of his ministry, near the end, chronologically, that phrase changed. Now, granted, Paul's ministry got bigger. Paul's impact got bigger. He had planted more churches. He had done more miraculous things. Yet this phrase didn't change in that he thought highly of himself. It actually changed that he thought less of himself. And at the end, he said, I am the chief of all sinners. The chief. I'm the greatest of all of the sinners. So at first he starts, I'm the least among the saints. So he's, he's putting himself with this group, this elite group of people, and but trying to look lowly, you know, <laughs> least among the saints, and then least among God's people, and then eventually he's like, I'm the worst one of them all. And this teaches me the most valuable thing that Proverbs goes over and over and over. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is actually humility. Pastor Josh talked about this a few weeks ago, that the fear of the Lord is not this like fear of his power necessarily that he would smite me or something like that. That is a common way to interpret that. But it's actually, look at me and look at him. It's exactly what I was just saying that in that surrender, I'm surrendering my weakness to his power and his strength. Humility is the beginning of all wisdom and understanding. I always tell people, I'm only one word away from changing my mind, which you might think, well, that sounds kind of flaky. Well, there's certain things I strongly believe, like Jesus is the Son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to heaven. That's something I strongly believe. I strongly believe in the covenant of marriage. You can't change my mind about that. You can't change my mind about certain things, but all other things I have to approach from a standpoint that I don't know everything and at any given moment, you could give me new information that helps me understand better. And that's what I think Proverbs can do today. So, I want to pray first, because I'll just get ahead of my notes, because I'm a rambler, so I don't want to ramble. So, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity that I would get to share any thoughts and wisdom that I have. God, I pray that you would speak through me, that I would be just an empty vessel filled with your spirit, God, and that you would flow out your wisdom and knowledge, and that each one of us would be refined and sharpened today. 
so that we can go out into battle, into the world, fighting for souls, fighting for your kingdom, shining light into the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. So we all have, you know, Proverbs, you know, like we have the book of Proverbs in the Bible, but, you know, you have any phrases your parents say, you know, that stick with you, and then things you probably say, maybe some of the things your parents said you won't repeat or whatever. So my my dad had a few things that I'll always remember. I don't know how many times he told me this. Maybe it was just once, but it stuck really hard. <laughs> he called this the plumber's proverb. And I'm sorry to any plumber out there that this is insulting to. But he said, there's only three things a plumber ever needs to know. Poop runs downhill. Don't bite your fingernails. And keep your head up. Payday's on Friday. That's three things the plumber needs to know to do his job. It seems like, you know, that's a great example of a proverb, okay? It's quick, really short, easy to remember, and it sticks with you, you know? So that's what many of the proverbs in the Bible are. They are supposed to be quick, short, easy to remember. And that comes from the Hebrew word mashal. I think I'm saying that right, quoting, <laughs> quoting Pastor Josh. <laughs> says that every time. I think I said that right. Um, but there's actually a meaning of the root word of that, and that is to rule or to reign. The root word of mashal says to rule or to reign. So the way that I look at Proverbs and the way that I look at wisdom is that they are given to me in order that I can rule and reign over my life. You know, the way that we look at Jesus's life can be that, well, he was the son of God. You know, he was, he was given the spirit of God and all these things. And, and we can sometimes think that, well, I can't be like Jesus. You know, like he had an advantage over me. Well, that's the thing. Jesus had no advantage over us. He actually passed on the spirit that he had, the same spirit that rose him from the grave. He says, I've given it to you. And he came as a man so that he could show us that we can rule and reign over every aspect of our life, just as he did. You know, if Jesus didn't rule and reign over his mind, his will, and his emotions, he would have never died on that cross. Because there's a moment in the garden, right before G Jesus, they come to get Jesus, to take him to the cross, and, they, and he is crying and sweating because of anxiety and fear. And he's saying, God, if there's another way that we could do this plan, you know, like this plan that you've got for salvation, if there's another way we could go about it, that would be great because this is scary. But he says at the end of that, but your will be done. And so the way I look at Proverbs is that they are a way for me to rule and reign over my life. Every day, my mind, my will, my emotions, my flesh want to take over. They want to take over because of fear, because of anger, because of frustration, because of doubt. Every day they want to take over. But I need to learn how to be a powerful person. So that is the title of the sermon, Powerful People. I want to be a powerful person. I want to rule over my life. I don't want my life to rule over me. And so we're going to go over like three sections of, uh, or not sections, sorry, three different theme, themes that I find all throughout Proverbs that I think could refine every one of us, refine our culture, and could help each one of us grow. The first one is life goals. This is my proverb for life goals. I don't need to keep up with the Joneses. I just need to keep up with Jesus. 
Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. It says, My child, listen to what I say, the tre- and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is the shield to those who walk with integrity. He walks the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. And in Proverbs 8, 17 through 21, similarly, it says, I love all who love me. This is wisdom talking. And those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness in paths of justice, and those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. Now, I believe that God wants us all to be taken care of. You know, it, it says in many places that God wants to give us all that we need in a, in a physical monetary or food or clothing. You know, it talks about the the lilies, how he clothes them with beauty. It talks about how he feeds the birds. How much more would he not want to feed us? But I don't really think Proverbs is talking about that kind of wealth. There comes a point in our Christian life where at some point I have to realize that Jesus doesn't care nearly as much about this physical world as he does my soul. And so when we look at Proverbs, we can't always look through it this lens of like, now, does it have advice in there of business and how to conduct yourself and how to talk to people and how to do different things? Yes, it most certainly does. But in the end, if your soul is not filled with wealth, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. Because guess what? When I go to heaven, none of that wealth's going with me. But the wealth of him will remain. What I want is more of him. God has to become the treasure of our hearts, not the things of this world. And when I say, you know, you know that phrase, probably, keeping up with the Joneses, I'm not impressed by the world, and I don't want to impress the world. I'm not out for title. I'm not out for position. I'm not out to be looked up to. I'm just out for Jesus. I'm out for him being magnified in my life. And at the end of the day, if you didn't see me and you just saw him, I would be happier for it. But the fact is, is I get in the way sometimes. And the things you probably see of me are me. But I want you to see him. And I want the world to see him. I want at the end of the day when I'm friends with people and I'm a son and I'm a father, I want my kids to be loved like Jesus loves me. I want that to be the treasure of my life. At the end of my life, I don't want to look at, well, did I save up enough money for retirement? Retirement's wonderful. But I just want to think about Jesus more. I want to put the weight of him higher in my life than the weight of those things. Now, the second area that Proverbs talks about a lot, it's a touchy subject, which is sex. In Proverbs chapter 5, Verses 1 through 6, it says this. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. 
Then you will show discernment, and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman, and I'm not just saying women, this is an allegory, so zoom backwards, are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. She cares nothing about the path to life, and she staggers down a crooked path and doesn't realize it. Now, all throughout Proverbs, it uses the immoral woman as an allegory. And whether the people that wrote those passages actually had someone that they were thinking about doesn't really matter. We can apply that to our life in many ways. Use it as an allegory for lust or just the desires of the flesh. The fact is, is they're all a bitter poison. We don't realize it at first. They seem sweet as honey, but in the end, they all come back to bite us. Now, this is a big subject for me, and there's silence in the room as I'm talking about something that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, because the culture of sex in our society is destroying people. It's destroying marriages that exist. It's destroying marriages that don't even exist yet. It's destroying them before they even happen. And it's destroying young people. Some of the most popular music, if you listen to it, is teaching kids about sex. Teaching them the wrong way to look at it. Teaching them the wrong way to understand it. Its meaning and its power. The most popular TV shows. I'll step on some toes. I just got to throw out. The amount of Christians I know that watch Game of Thrones is high. And that show is terrible. It's filled with him it's filled with the immoral woman. It's filled with the desires of the flesh. I just think I know there's a pandemic going on in the world and I care about the pandemic. But there's pandemics that we don't talk about enough that are happening in the church and in society that have to end even more than physical sickness. These are spiritual sicknesses. My youth, my youth pastor, I have so much admiration for him, my, like when I was a youth, my youth pastor. He 100% of his job these days is working with men to get out of pornography. What a bold job. You know, to go into those places and, and to have those conversations and to do those things. But I will tell you that pornography is more pre prevalent than you think. It's not just what you think it is. It's on Instagram. It's on Snapchat. It's on YouTube. It's in the songs that are listened to. It's in the movies and TV shows that are watched. It's everywhere. And it's not just nudity. It's the way we think about it. It's the way we perceive it. It's the, it's the value we put on it. It's so much more. Proverbs talks about this a lot, that you have to run from it. I will just end that conversation with that. You have to run from it. It seems good in the moment, but it'll only poison you in the end. It'll poison your relationships. It'll poison your friendships. And it's not a victimless sin. It is not. 
it always has a victim and it's not just you. Because you will love your kids differently. You will love your wife differently. You will love people differently because you look at the world through the wrong lens. People are not objects. They're people. They're made by God. Every single person in the world, whether you see them through a screen or in person, is a person made by God. And we need to view all people through that lens. And every single one of them has the potential for salvation, to know him and to walk in the freedom of his love and his goodness. Every single one, no matter where they're at or what they've done. So I'll end that conversation with that. Run as fast as you can. Actually, the last thing I'll say is that there's a great quote from, uh, I, I can't recommend this, re reading this book. <laughs> but Matthew McConaughey wrote this book, okay? And you're like, Matthew McConaughey, really? Okay, so somebody at work told me that I'm the Matthew McConaughey of, like, the group. And I was like, what does that even mean? You know, like, what does he mean by that? And so then I was just intrigued by Matthew McConaughey. And then, and then I was like, well, I need to read his book. If I'm like him, I need to understand who this guy is. Not really, but that's what I say. It's a very fascinating book. He's a very fascinating guy. But he said in the book, because he was dealing with some stuff in life, and he believes in God, and I don't know the you know, extent of his you know, Christian walk, but the bottom line is that he talked to a guy, and he said, how, how do you get over this stuff? How do you move past it? I just don't know how to do it. And the guy said simply this, and I loved it. I've never found it difficult to turn the page of a book. Sometimes if you have things in your life, you just need to realize you've got to start a new chapter. You've got to get past this chapter and you've got to start a new one. And so, yeah, so I love that. It's simple. I just need to start a new chapter. And that means you leave the old pages behind and you start a new one. The last one is judgment. So we've talked about life goals, sex, and now judgment. Proverbs 9, 1 through 9. We're going to read this, but then I'm going to explain and break this down. Why I think this has to do with everything about how we do church and Christianity and all these things. Proverbs 9, 1 through 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet. Mixed the wines and set the table. She sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. It goes on to say this. So that's the first part. This is the second part. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. I've always heard that second part. I've always, like, you know, like, basically don't get up in somebody's face and, you know, tell them they're wrong if they're just kind of, like, that kind of person that's not going to listen because it's not going to do any good. It's actually going to turn out bad. So instruct the wise. But I've always thought that was strange. I was like, isn't that the point of, you know, the Bible and all these things is to change us? But I always skipped over the first part, not realizing 
that it was talking about the exact same thing, but going about it in a different way. So let's read that first part again. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city, come in with me, she urges the simple. So she's calling out to the simple or the people that don't have wisdom and knowledge. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live and learn to use good judgment. Have you ever been on the internet and seen two people arguing with each other? Almost every time you get on the internet, you see two people arguing with each other about something in the comment threads under a post or, you know, something. Has that ever worked? Like, have you ever changed somebody's mind on the internet, like arguing with them over comment threads? If you have, it's rare, extremely rare. This passage of Scripture, I think, exemplifies a much better way of drawing people into the kingdom of God. If you want to argue with somebody, it says right here, do not rebuke a mocker or insult them in return. They're just going to get mad at you and hurt you. Instead, the first approach, wisdom said, build a house, prepare a meal, and invite them into it. And be kind about it. Like, just invite them into it. And if they want to come in and they want to eat the meal that you've prepared, invite them to leave behind their ways and come into new ways. I think that there is a lot of the, what I find, I know a lot of Christians that think that judgment is going to draw non-believers into the kingdom of God. But judgment does not draw people in, it pushes them away. Instead, grace draws people into the kingdom of God. But when you are in the kingdom of God and you have made that decision, like it says, come and drink with me, leave your simple ways behind you and begin to have good judgment. When that decision is made, that person now becomes the wise one. And when you correct the wise one, they will become even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. So I think we need to cast away judgment and embrace grace to draw people into the kingdom of God. But it's, it was the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. That's what it says. And so I urge you, if you want to draw somebody in that you think, man, I just don't like the stuff they're just sharing all the time, like I just don't agree with it, don't argue with them on the internet. Invite them over to your house. Have a conversation. Prepare a meal for them. And I... 100% believe that if we have the wisdom of God, that the wisdom of God, not your wisdom, but the wisdom of God will break through and it will transform because that's what Jesus does, right? He transforms. In just a single moment, he can transform a life. How many times do we see this in scriptures that when Jesus shows up, we, we can try, we can beat people over the head with Bibles and it won't change them. But when the love of God comes in, he can change someone in a mere moment. He can break down the strongest of walls and the most angry of prejudices. He can break all of them in a single moment. 
And so I believe that if you have the wisdom of God, if I have the wisdom of God, and I bring it into a situation, my faith says that it will transform. And I have to walk in that power. But if I'm just walking around with my wisdom, with a sword, and just trying to just fight people over it, I'm just pushing them farther away from the kingdom of God. So my proverb about judgment so you have to bring grace before you bring the gavel. Jesus drew people into the kingdom, and then he started to refine them. You know, the fishers, he just went and found the fishermen. He just said, hey, come with me, hang out with me. He didn't start teaching them right away, telling them what they were doing was wrong, telling them how they talk is wrong, telling them their lifestyle's not right. He said, come, walk with me. We need to be walking with people before we start refining them. We need to be living life with people before you start sharpening them. And it's a lot of what, you know, Ben and Pastor Josh said, like, we can't control people. That is not the kingdom of God. God doesn't control me. He invites me into his presence. He says, if you will just come. I will refine you, and I will give you rest, and I will do all these things. But it's an invitation. He does not force me into that place. He does not force me to change. He invites me to be changed. And I have to submit myself to that. That is the only way that it's going to happen. So if we want to change people, we've got to start with grace. We've got to live life with them. We've got to walk with them. So some heavy stuff, I know. I'm really sorry about that but it was just what was on my heart. We talked about having life goals, that Jesus should be our life goal. The treasure of wisdom, the treasure of God should be the what we want to attain, not stature in this life or popularity or any of those things. It's not worth it. We talked about sex, and it's destroying our society because it's gotten into everything, absolutely everything, and we need to run from it because it's poison. It will kill people's futures. We talked about judgment. We need to draw people into the kingdom. Not beat them into the kingdom or throw them into the kingdom. Draw them into the kingdom through the love and the grace of God. And I shared the plumber's proverb that my dad said. Well, there's two other proverbs that I live by that my dad said. I call them proverbs because they're short and easy to remember. And these two... I live by today. The first one made me angry every time he said it. Absolutely every time. You said I made you angry, but I can't make you anything. Doesn't that make you angry, like when you hear that? You're just like, no, you definitely did something to make me angry. No, I can't make you do anything. Okay. <laughs> There's not a lot to respond to that. But that, so the first one, the plumber's proverb taught me nothing. Absolutely nothing. Taught me about gravity? I don't know. The second one taught me I can't, I'm not a victim to anybody. Nobody can control me. I'm in control of my life. I am a powerful person. As soon as I say that somebody made me angry, I've given them power over my life. But I'm in control of my life. So I'm in control of my anger. And the next one, my dad said, I keep praying for more money but God just keeps sending me more work. Ain't that the truth? 
And that taught me things don't come easy in life. You just got to blood, sweat, and tears. Push through it. And God doesn't want to give us the easy way. I, I know that's bad news. He wants to grow us. He wants us to be sharper. He wants us to be stronger. That's what he wants. He doesn't want people that have a bunch of money. He wants people that know how to put their money where their mouth is. <laughs> he, he wants people that are willing and dedicated and are full of honor and integrity. That's what God wants. And when he just hands people a bunch of money, he doesn't get any of that. So, you heard some Proverbs from the Bible, you heard some Proverbs from my dad, you heard some Proverbs from me. So, let's pray. God, thank you so much. You are the author of everything. And I pray, God, that each one of us would submit ourselves to you to become the author of our lives, that you would be writing our stories. God, I just submit my life to you. And I pray that each person here would, in a greater way, as we leave this building, in a greater way, we would submit ourselves and surrender to you for you to write our stories. God, I want my words to be your words, my actions to be your actions. God, we love you. We ask that you would increase so that we, and that we would decrease. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.